1: Asia-Pacific markets, they're trading lower this morning following another bout of selling on Wall Street overnight. Sydney leading the way lower. The ASX is trading down more than 1%. Tokyo and Seoul, they're both off about half a percent. Joining me now as we break down the market action, He's already he's got a, half his body out the door because he's going on a break soon. Uh, and we won't have Ryan Huang for the next how long, Ryan?
0: Just about two weeks um, for the next two weeks, I'll be out. This is going to be me catching up with, I guess, my family. And I'm bringing my kid and my parents to Disneyland. So it's one of those holiday- holidays I'm trying to recreate because back when I was a kid myself, ah. I was you know, at Disneyland with my parents and I'm trying to recreate the same experience for my kid and also circle back to that moment in time almost.
1: Isn't that wonderful?
0: So that is wonderful. Two weeks. Hope I will be able to catch up with you again. Two
1: after weeks that. of making great memories. But I have to ask, you know, does the mouse resonate for your daughter the same way that the Disney magic
0: resonated for you? Whew. If I think about it right, 30 years ago was when I went to Disneyland. And since then, Disney has really grown to be such a a mammoth in the entertainment industry it's not just mickey mouse anymore it's got pixar it's got marvel it's got so many franchises it is huge and this is quite mind-boggling when you think about all the various characters and the, the various merchandise i might have to splurge on oh, just oh. for souvenirs
1: Uh oh yeah you're right you know um was it the minions the minions ride was one of my favorite things to do in disney i have to say when i was there
0: yeah, Minions, <laughs> Toy Story, the this goes on.
1: Absolutely. So have fun. We'll miss you. But, you know, we've got a, a great someone who's going to be stepping into Ryan's shoes. Should we say hi to him? Should we say hi to him since he's here? Hello, everyone. Mystery voice.
0: <laughs> hello, uh, hello, everyone. My name is Willie. Um, I'm the founder of Dividend Titan. So
1: I write a blog on dividend stocks. How's the morning show been going for you, Willie? Yeah, it was great.
0: Elliot and Ryan were really great help. They were a great mentor to me <laughs> this morning.
1: Alright, so we'll check in with you, Willie, next week for your take on markets. Uh, for now, Ryan's still on the clock. So, Ryan, let's start this morning with a follow-up to interest rate hikes in the US vis-a-vis easy money over in Japan. Now, we talked this week about how Japan is one of the uh, last major economies, only of the major economies actually, left with low interest rates and really how the Bank of Japan is standing pat on that policy. Well, rising rates in the U.S. have led investors to shift more funds into the U.S. dollar and this is coming at the expense of the Japanese yen which has depreciated more than 20% this year, Ryan. So the yen currently trading south of 140 to the U.S. dollar and all this has led Tokyo to actually do something that it hasn't done in the last 20 years really. What did Japan's finance ministry tell the Bank of Japan to do, Ryan?
0: Yeah, quite painful for many other currencies uh, especially as they try to go to the US for Disneyland or whatever thing you buy in US dollars because their currencies are starting to weaken relative to the US dollar with those rate hikes. And Japanese yen is now at their weakest in nearly 24 years and has reached a point where they have decided, hey, maybe enough is enough. It may be too weak for them to just bear. And here you have the Japanese Ministry of Finance finally finally stepping in after many weeks and maybe even months of speculation that it might do so. It has reached that point and they have come in to pretty much stick to their uh, U curve control policy program and they are sticking to that rate where they are comfortable with. And this is pretty much the Bank of Japan coming in to ensure that there is a level that they want to keep the James Yen at and pretty much buying Japanese yen to some extent. So this is now seeing support for the yen, and that is now bouncing back by around 1 plus percent. So it is seeing that pullback from the one four five level. So it looks like that is where they are trying to draw that line in the sand for the Japanese yen.
1: So what impact did we see on the yen? Do you think the intervention was successful?
0: Okay, so we saw that bounce back, but the big question is how much more can it keep going for? Because as you have heard from the FOMC, they are inclined to continue hiking their rates and that means it will just mean more pressure down the road for many other currencies, including central banks in Asia and the BOJ. So to a certain extent, it could work in the short term, but will it work in the long term as rates continue to go up? So they are probably going to be seeing this, or at least hoping that this will buy them some time for these pressures to moderate. Uh, Hopefully for them, it does. But otherwise, it could be a very close one to watch out for to see if uh, they are able to ride out this tough I guess, challenge for the Japanese yen because they need their own economy to get back in shape. So they are hoping a couple of things that the pressures will moderate plus the economy bounces back in time for them to be in a more uh, stronger fiscal position.
1: Well, the last time that Japanese markets, you know, we saw an intervention there was back in 1998. And they had to basically sell US Treasury notes to get the US dollars needed to buy the yen. And that can have ripple effects on the debt markets. This time around, though, that's not as likely, right? Tell us why.
0: Yeah, that's because right now, Japan has a bit of a pile of US dollars it can tap on before selling those treasuries. So it is in a more comfortable position, so to speak. So that risk of the currency intervention spilling over and just causing ripples to other parts of the market like before is reduced to some extent. All
1: right. The
0: U.S. dollar currently trading around
1: 142 Japanese yen. And if we look at how the Singapore dollar is doing vis-a-vis Japan, one Sing dollar currency buys about 100 yen. That is the strongest level in decades, which could make it a good time to go visit Japan. And there's good news on this front for travelers, right? What is it?
0: Yeah, when was the last time you went to Japan, Michelle? Three years ago. Okay, so it might be due for another visit because prices are more attractive if you are heading to Japan because of that weaker yen. So now you have an excuse. They have lifted restrictions. Individual visitors will be allowed to enter. Japan will be reinstating visa waivers. So the cap on that daily arrival number previously was 20,000. They lifted it to 50,000. Finally, it's been lifted. So this will pretty much see them relax border control measures to be on par with the US. So it's quite timely because the currency is weak and it is more attractive as a tourist to enter Japan. So maybe this could help its economy.
1: Visa-free individual entries allowed from October 11th. So that's about two weeks from now. And it's not the only destination in the region that's opening up. Taiwan says that it may scrap its three-day quarantine requirement sometime next month. Hong Kong also expected to make an announcement about easing its strict travel restrictions within the next couple of days. Now, the weak yen is not only good news for travellers, it also presents opportunities for foreign companies that are doing business in Japan or who want to do business there. Yesterday on this show, we talked about First REIT and Parkway Life REIT, both making new acquisitions in Japan. They're buying nursing homes and they are far from the only Singapore companies that are eyeing investments in the land of the rising sun. I see Daiwa House Logistics is looking at its first acquisition there. Can you tell us
0: more? Yeah, it's a bit of a shopping spree when it comes to Japan these days. So Daiwa, among the names, looking to Japan, it is proposing to acquire a portfolio of two logistics facilities and a piece of freehold land in Japan for a price tag of $47.7 million. So this is its maiden acquisition in Japan. So this is worth noting to see that it has um, started to splash cash right now.
1: Alright, and... uh I see that a company listed on the Catalyst board, ICP is also eyeing Japan. So ICP listeners, it is in the hotel management and franchising business and its primary brand is called Travel Lodge. So what is ICP buying and how much is it looking to invest, Ryan?
0: We are looking at two hotel properties and they are located in Sapporo and Nagoya and this at a price tag of $64 million. So the group, through its wholly owned unit, will take a 5% stake in a joint venture company that acquires these properties. It is with his JP partner, Topco. So this is seeing his JB partner owning the remaining 95%. So that is the story for ICP buying up two hotel properties.
1: All right, Ryan, if we take a step back for a moment, I have a two-part question for you. The first is, if you were head of a listed Singapore company, or more specifically, a REIT, would you be looking to Japan right now to buy property or other assets?
0: Well, the the travel Lodge one, the ICP one, is interesting because it is going into the hotel space and we've talked about how tourism is bouncing back. So maybe the hospitality play is actually looking to become more attractive. And it is also timely when you look at the attraction of a cheaper yen, just making it more... Uh, I guess, easy to digest when it comes to these deals. So it could actually pave the way for maybe more to come. So watch this space, a Japanese shopping spree.
1: So I guess the flip side of my question is also, do you think that these deals are good news for the stocks of Singapore companies that are investing in Japan?
0: Are investors likely to applaud these moves? Okay, so when it comes to, I guess, growth opportunities, I think that's what investors are looking out for. Where will be the future growth drivers coming from? Where are the revenue coming from? So it is, I guess, encouraging to see these companies venturing out to spend the cash still, not just sitting tight and uh, hoping for the best, but they are still looking out for deals. And there are perhaps bargains that they are picking up. Picking up. So these are perhaps something that could drive future growth opportunities for these businesses. And I think investors can look at these, I guess, a bit more closely to understand how this ties into each individual business, whether these deals make sense for them and whether it will put them in a strong footing for the recovery years because everyone or a lot of people have been trying to um, bounce back from the COVID-19 years. Uh So you have to look at how these companies are being set up for the next few years
1: all right let's zoom out now i want to take a look at broader markets investors sold off again overnight as they continue to assess the potential impact of the fed's tighter monetary policy the nasdaq fell 1.3 percent the small cap russell 2000 index did even worse so ryan the word that pops into my mind to describe market sentiment this morning is gloomy what about you
0: yeah, I would probably go along those same lines. It's been gloomy since the FOMC started to hike rates. In fact, gloomy before that as well. It's been a gloomy month. So, September, as we all talked about, historically has been quite a bad month for markets, and it is playing it out as according to history. So, here is now with the FOMC hiking rates and pointing to even more rate hikes, that is putting a lot of pressure on the markets. And we've seen overnight on Wall Street, markets pretty much across the board seeing a bit of a sell-off. I think investors are still trying to grapple with how much more can affect hike rates and how would it impact um, the markets. And they are selling first and asking questions later. So hmm. many of these growth names are feeling feeling the, the pinch a bit more um, because rising rates make them less attractive. And Safe Haven, Places, assets, currencies are where they seem to be flocking to in recent days. So we are seeing bond yields surge in response to the latest rate hike. And that is, I think, also seeing investors trying to reassess their portfolios. What should they be doing to optimise Um, their returns. Should they be parking more in bonds right now as bond yields go up? So you've got a lot of repositioning happening. And of course, we are heading into the end of the quarter as well. So that is going to be more volatile as we head to the rest of the month to close off.
1: From the analyst that you're speaking with, Ryan, in the morning, is there any sense of, you know, when this market could bottom out or how far stocks could fall?
0: If you talk to some people like Dr. Doom, the economist Nobel Rubini, he would say, you know, markets have more to go. In fact, he's painted out 40% drop that might happen because of a likely long and ugly recession that is bound to happen. So if you talk to people like him, he is saying, hey, things will go down even more from here. But if you talk to some other people, um, they will say, hey, this is a good opportunity to look at some bargains. So it really becomes a case of, is it half glass, half full or half empty? And if you look at, I guess, how markets typically react when you have bouts of tightening, typically you do see a bit of a pullback because these higher rates make it less attractive to be in the stock market. And I think in the near term, at least, that is the more likely scenario that we will see some pressure in the stock markets. But there can be other catalysts to see it turn around. We have the next earnings season in mm. the fourth quarter to mm-hmm. look at. So that could be positive drivers for market sentiment. So, it's still too early to call this one.
1: Time now for corporate news. A quick game of up or down game show style. Ryan, let's start with Boeing. A lot of bad news out for Boeing this morning.
0: Boeing. So, I would say it's a down for me. So, mm. it is, this is with the US-China proxy war going on in the airplane making space. So, Airbus, the European airplane maker, mm. has won a big order in China. So, this is for a $4.8 billion jet Order and this is a huge blow because the customer, China Southern Airlines, typically is loyal to Boeing, but this time around it went with Airbus for 40 jets.
1: Exactly. So it's lost a major contract in China to Airbus, another major one, one might say, and this one to build a billion-dollar missile in the U.S. And it's lost the contract to Raytheon. U.S. regulators are fining it $200 U.S. million for misleading investors about the safety of its 737 MAX plane. So that is about three strikes for Boeing and a big thumbs down for me today. Let's look at Alibaba.
0: Alright, Alibaba is going to be an up for me. They have pledged $1 billion to cloud computing customers to help them reignite their growth. So I guess if you've got happy and growing customers, it's going to be good news for you as well.
1: A bullish sign for sure. And so an up for Alibaba for me. How is the Chinese battery maker, C-A-L-B, looking in your books, Ryan? Mm,
0: I'm going with up and they are in the news for seeking up to $1.7 billion in an IPO in Hong Kong. So it is looking quite optimistic in its future. And if you talk about how EVs are pretty much um, the next big thing when it comes to what people want to buy in the automotive space and the green agenda is also pushing this. So it is looking good for... Battery maker CALB.
1: Indeed. Looking to go public in Hong Kong and raise 1.7 billion US dollars. So that is a big listing and potentially good news for both CALB and the Hong Kong stock exchange. All right, let's look at South Korean leader Yoon suk yeol
0: mm, I will go down. So this is perhaps <laughs> an issue or a problem that you and I face sometimes. We All leave the, time. the mic on All the time. and then we continue talking about the stuff. But unluckily for him, he. <laughs> was meeting U.S. President Joe Biden. And he was having a chat about subsidies in the EV space. So it was all quite diplomatic and quite proper until Joe Biden left the stage and then he continued to talk to his counterpart to say, hey, if Joe Biden doesn't get this deal done, it's going to be a bad look for him and it's going to be pretty much all these U.S. policymakers at fault. So its mm. I'm paraphrasing here. but You are. Very politely, <laughs> I might say. So it comes with... A few expertise with um, what he said, Robert uh. Tim. So um, you have to kind of read it up yourself. But that is pretty much the gist of it. So he was insulting U.S. policymakers, and he was caught on a hot mic, and is now going viral.
1: That's what it's called when it happens, a hot mic. That's why we're always looking out for the red lights that come on when we switch on a mic. So Yoon was caught on a hot mic at an event in New York. He was criticizing U.S. President Joe Biden and the U.S. Congress. I'll give you a little bit more detail all right? so you have some context. He called the U.S. lawmakers idiots on his hot mic and the remarks were broadcast in Korea. Yoon is upset about new U.S. legislation that could hurt South Korean car makers. And Yoon, by the way, refused to meet U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, when she recently visited Yoon said, hey, he was on vacation, didn't have to meet her. Uh, regardless, it is not a good look for Yoon and so it is down for South Korea's leader in my book. Let's check in on how stocks are doing this morning. We are 24 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index finished flat yesterday at 32.63. On the upside, Yangtze junk shipbuilding jumped nearly 7%. On the downside, Sats fell 5%. On news that it is in talks to acquire an air cargo handler called worldwide flight services. Ryan, what's the price picture looking this morning like and how are blue chips doing?
0: Well, it looks like the STI is giving back its gains from yesterday. So we are seeing the Street Times index down 0.7% at 3,240. So pretty much in line with the rest of the region. And this is, of course, tracking the negative handover from Wall Street and looking at the 30 constituents across the STI. Uh, We have, no surprises, more red than green. In fact, only one counter in the green, and that is Yang Zhejiang Shipbuilding, up by 3.6%. And at the bottom of the STI table, UOL down 1.7%, and at least 15 names, nearly down 1%. So that is how much we are losing ground on the STI. And if we look at SETs, Yesterday, it was down by over 4% on the news that it might acquire worldwide flight services. It is continuing to lose ground in line with the wider market. It is down 0.8% at $3.85.
1: Alright, one last story before we say goodbye and happy holidays, Ryan Huang. Um, have you always dreamt of a flying car? Yes, or? ever
0: since I caught the episode of The Jetsons.
1: <laughs> you and every boy I pulled on this. Uh, Google's co-founder's flying car startup is winding down. Are you disappointed by the end of, is it called Kitty Hawk?
0: Yeah, his flying car startup is winding down and I am a bit curious because he is someone who's got Cash or Splash, and this seems to be where the future is going, flying cars. So what's up with that? Kitty Hawk
1: has built and flown more than 100 aircraft, but I think it's a little bit more complex when you're trying to get a car in the
0: sky. Yeah, maybe he has yeah. new hobbies to splash his cash on.
1: Maybe. Well, happy holidays, Ryan. And I just realised the Minions ride is over at Universal and not at Disney. So Disney fans, don't come for me. Okay, it was the purple dragon ride that I was on in Disney that I liked. Happy Halls, Ryan. See you in a bit.